Well, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We've called this sermon series, Teach Us to Pray, and tonight I want to focus on the word us, uh, because we pray together a lot when we're in church. Have you noticed that? We, we, we do. We pray in unison with each other sometimes. We listen to somebody who is praying, and we pray along in our hearts and in our minds. We pray the prayer of the church where we reflect on all the people that we're praying for, that God would bring healing to those people, our brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray a lot together when we're here in worship. And that's no accident. You know, we do it because God calls us uh, to do it. He brings us together as a community of faith. And as a community, we praise and we worship. As a community, we hear God speak together. As a community, we cry out to God together. Prayer is not always private. We often think of it that way, but it's not always private. Prayer can be public, and frankly, prayer should be public sometimes, especially when, you know, things are hard, especially when we have a need for the community of Christ, the people of God gathered around us, especially when we're at those times in our life when we look at the present, look at what's going on in our life or in our world, at the way things are, and we ask ourselves where God is in the middle of all of it. That's a time for public prayer. It's a time for us to cry out to God as a community. And we do that. You know, we do that when something is happening to us as a community of Christ, as a church. But listen, but this is what Paul says in Romans twelve fifteen. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We cry out to, a God, to God as a community when something's affecting our community, but we cry out to God as a community also when people in our community are hurting, even if we're not personally hurt or affected by it. Psalm 85, our psalm for tonight, is the community crying out to God. And it shows us a couple things. It shows us not only how to pray, which is kind of what we're looking at in this sermon series, but also about what it means to be a Christian community, to be a church, to be a congregation, to, people, to be the people of God here in this place. And so we're going to look through Psalm 85 in four chunks. And actually, conveniently, I didn't plan it this way, but it's the four chunks that are in your, uh, your bulletin, uh, those four pieces. And we're going to look at those four things and we're going to learn something from each of them. We're going to learn that we remember together as the Christian community. We're going to learn that we plead together, that we listen together, and that we expect together. We remember, we plead, we listen, and we expect together. So, to start off with the first three verses of Psalm 25, here's what they say. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Remembering together who our God is is a powerful thing in the middle of adversity. See, as Christians, comfort comes in remembering who our God is and what our God has done. In uncertain times, in difficult times, this psalm directs the people of God to look back at what we know about God. When we're uncertain, when we're not sure what to make of things, we look back at what we do know, which is what we know about God, what He's done in the past, what He's brought us through. 
I stumbled this week, and it kind of looks like this. Looking back at the past kind of looks like this. I stumbled this week on a story about a mountaineer that I'd never heard of, a guy named Kyle Maynard. And back in uh, 2012, Kyle Maynard climbed Kilimanjaro. And if you don't know what that is, it's, it's a 19,000-foot-tall volcano. It's the tallest mountain in Africa. And, and in and of itself, climbing Kilimanjaro is, you know, quite an accomplishment, but it's not an especially unique thing to do. You know, probably 40,000 people or more every year climb Kilimanjaro. What is unique is that Kyle Maynard is the first quadriplegic amputee to climb Kilimanjaro. And he climbed it without aid. And I don't just mean he didn't have somebody carry him. He climbed it without prosthetics. In other words, he didn't have prosthetic legs or prosthetic arms. It was just him crawling up Kilimanjaro. 67 kilometers round trips. He climbed 13,600 feet plus to the summit and then all the way back down, completely under his own power. And when he was asked, somebody asked him, what's the hardest part or what was the hardest part of what you did? This is what he said. He said, every morning I would wake up and I would look up to see all that I still had to do. And I would forget to turn around and see how far I'd already come. I'd forget to turn around and see how far I'd already come. Strength comes from the past. Strength comes from remembering what God has brought you through. When you're at one of those times in your life when you're not sure what to do with what God brought you to, Your first step is to look back and see what God has already brought you through. When the way forward looks difficult or it looks puzzling or it looks insurmountable or it looks impossible, as Christians, we remind each other of all that God has brought us through, all that God has done in our life. Sometimes what you can do in your life is you can look back on things that God has actually brought you through, stuff that you look back and go, I couldn't have made it without my faith. I couldn't have made it without my God. And it's good when you can do that. But every single one of us, even if that is hard for you, every single one of us as Christians can look back to the most important thing. Because when we look back in the past, there is no better place to look than the cross. There's no better place to look than Good Friday if we're looking at what God has done because it's there that God gives up his life so that you could be delivered from sin and death and the power of the devil. The big three, all taken care of on the cross. Step one is in communal prayer is remembering what God has done. If you notice... We do a collect every Sunday when we do divine service, and we do a collect, and the first part of the collect remembers something about God. Lord, you brought your people out of Egypt. Lord, you are strong and mighty. Lord, you created with the word. It remembers what God has done. That's how it starts. We remember together. And after we remember together who our God is, then we cry out to our God as his people. We plead together. That's the second part. Here's how the psalmist does it. This is verses 4 through 7. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. 
That's pleading to God. And I'll tell you, when God's people plead to God, God hears. Matthew 18 tells us, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. He hears because he's there. And he always has heard the cries of his people. Exodus chapter 2 says this. It says, during those, uh, during those many days when they were enslaved, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And listen to this. And God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. God sees his people. God hears the cries of his people. God remembers that we are his. And God knows God knows what we face. God knows what, we go, what we're going through. And that's why when God's people cry out together, it is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing, especially when we do that together in times that we don't understand. It's a powerful thing because we're heard. One of my favorite verses in the whole hymnal is in, in hymn 915. Uh, it's called, uh, Today Your Mercy Calls Us. And, and my favorite part is right at the end of the last stanza. In fact, I have it a, as a sticky note on the computer in my office so that I read it every single day. It says this. It says, When all things seem against us to drive us to despair, we know one gate is open, one ear will hear our prayer. We cry out to God because he hears. Because it is a powerful thing when the people of God cry out together. 1 Peter 3.12, he writes this, and he's quoting Psalm 34. Uh, Let's try the next one here, Molly, if we could. Uh, Read this with me. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. They're on his people, and his ears hear their prayer. That's what God promises. We pray together. We cry out to God together because God hears. We pray together because God is our Father, and we as children come to him. That's how Jesus teaches us to pray. Remember, that's the very beginning. Our Father, who art in heaven, we pray because our Father hears us, and he loves us, and he's the one who can do something about it. We cry out to God. And after we do that, after we plead together as the people of, of, of God, God hears us. And then we hear him. See, as a community of faith, we listen together as well. This is verse 8 and 9 of Psalm uh, 85. Let me hear what the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. We hear together. See, here's the thing we don't get sometimes when we're talking about prayer. Prayer is only half of the conversation with God. It's only half. It's just our part. Every conversation is a two-way street, and the divine conversation between us and God is absolutely no exception. I mean, think about this. In any relationship that you have, any earthly relationship, if all you do is talk, you lose something. You lose something. 
I mean, don't get me wrong. Having somebody to listen is a really good thing. Having somebody who will just sit down and listen to you and listen really well, especially when you're in crisis. Sometimes that's what you need. Sometimes that's all you need. But in your relationships, if, if, if all you ever do is talk and you don't listen, you lose something. Why? Because if you don't take what somebody else has to say, you don't learn very much. You may clarify your thoughts, you may come to a conclusion based on what you have said, but there usually isn't much change unless something comes from outside yourself. There usually isn't much change unless you also listen. That's the other half of the divine conversation. See, the, the, the Bible says that God's Word is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It does things to us. The listening part of the conversation is really important because the listening part of the conversation, that is where change happens. And let me clarify just for a second where that part of the conversation happens, the, the, the God speaking to us part. A lot of people, when we talk about God speaking to us, think in terms of like strong inner feelings or something like that. But here's what Scripture has to say about it. This is the beginning of Hebrews. I think I've got it up here as well. Yeah. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. In these last days, he's spoken to us through his Son. Jesus is the final revelation of God. It's the final word of God when the word is made flesh. That's how God speaks to us. Through the word made flesh and through the words that are written down about the word made flesh in the New Testament. So where do you listen to God? Where do you get the other half of the divine conversation? Well, most of the time it's here. Most of the time it's here in church, gathered as the community of Christ, hearing his word with the people of God. It happens at other times too. You know, it happens when we read our Bibles uh, by ourselves. It happens when we talk to other Christians and they remind us of the gospel. They remind us of the word of God. And all of us need all of those things. We need all of it. But mostly the divine conversation, the other half of it, happens here. When we sing hymns to each other, when we hear God's word, when we hear sermons, when we hear benedictions, when we hear all the stuff that we hear in church, that's where the other half of the divine conversation happens. In the community of faith, when we're gathered around the word and when we are listening together. And last but not least, here's how the psalm ends. This is verses 10 through 13. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. You know what these verses are talking about? I mean, they're talking about probably a number of different things, but the, the main thing they're talking about is the new creation. The world after the, after the resurrection, after Jesus comes back and we all rise from our graves and we live here forever in the new creation. Because ultimately, that's what we're waiting for. Ultimately, as Christians and as, as a congregation, as a community of faith, that's what we're looking forward to. We're looking forward to the final and complete fulfillment of Jesus' victory. We're looking forward to the day when he returns, when he comes back. And when sin, death, and the devil, who when we look back at the cross, we see their defeat back then, where sin, death, and the devil are gone forever. 
in the new creation without any of those things, when nobody has to suffer, when nobody has to look at what's going on in the world and wonder where God is. We won't have to do that because he'll be here, dwelling with his people. That's what he says. Wiping their tears away. That's what he says. Giving what is good. That's what the psalm says here. See, the peace that God speaks in his word today in this world, that peace will be a full reality at the end. But remember, this, when we pray and when the psalmist prays and when anybody who reads this psalm prays, we're not asking for something that's way in the far future. We maybe are asking for that, but they're asking for something right now. The psalmist is asking something for something right now. And we're doing that too when we pray. And we can expect it, too. We can expect something in the present as well. See, God's Word does what it says. Scripture tells us that the Word of God does not return to Him empty. God's Word is effective. It does something to us. So when God speaks peace in the Gospel, what we expect is peace. My pastor, when I was growing up, uh, he said something in a sermon that it, I've always remembered. It just stuck with me, and it's, you know, it's been <laughs> a lot more years that I'd really like to calculate in front of all of you guys right now. But it's been a while, and I, I've just held on to it for a long time. I think I mentioned it from up here before, but it bears repeating, I think. What he said was, he said, come to church expecting to be changed. Come to church expecting to be changed. I liked that. And I liked that at the time because I felt like it worked. You know, when I would come and I would think about that on the way in, uh, it seemed to happen. But as I think about it now, I think I was maybe wrong about that. Uh, and, and this is why. See, it's not my expectation or my lack of expectation that makes the change happen or that doesn't make change happen. It's not whether I want to hear the word or I want to be in church or I don't want to be here that makes a change. God's word changes me. The Holy Spirit changes me. He doesn't do it because of me. He doesn't be, do it because of what I expect or don't inspect. In, in, in fact, if I'm being honest, most of the time he probably changes me in spite of myself, not because of me. But I think what was different after my pastor said that and after it stuck with me was that I started to notice it more. I started to notice what was happening in my heart and my mind when I was in worship more. And I encourage you in that direction as well. Because the change that God works in our hearts as Christians and as a community of faith, that's something to notice. That's something to behold. And it's something that happens here. It's something that happens in our congregation, in our community of faith. It happens when this congregation remembers together what God has done and reminds each other of Jesus. It happens when our community of faith pleads together for the mercy of God, when we know that our brothers and sisters in Christ are in need. It happens when this community of faith listens together, hears the word of God together, especially in hard times. And it happens when this community of faith reminds its members to expect the God of peace to grant us peace. To grant us the peace that comes from the death and the resurrection of Jesus. The peace that comes to us in the word of God. The peace that passes all understanding. May it guard our hearts and our minds, keeping them steadfast in Christ Jesus. Amen.